last a couple weeks ago we talked about the purpose of God in making distinctions in the scripture and how uh, whenever we look at the purpose of God it's it's manifest in his word because it's not detached from his person it's not it's not like a separate thing from from what he's doing his word and his purpose are directly connected so we're going to see his purpose throughout the entirety of scripture now a lot of false teaching in our day it's prevalent not only because of wrong things that are being said and taught that that's part of the reason but it's ultimately because god isn't known whenever a person can't see god clearly there's like a liability that exists there uh it 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 gives room for things like speculation because you don't know and it's the tendency of flesh to just speculate about what it doesn't understand and about what it doesn't know but see we've been given an understanding Amen. god's god's oh he's revealing himself to us through the person of jesus christ and this perception being able to perceive god is extremely important i'm going to give you an example imagine if you would there are three men who live in the same building, but they live in three separate rooms. They've lived in those three separate rooms their entire life. One room has a blue couch, and one room has a yellow couch, and one room has a red couch. And imagine you had a conference call with all three of them, and you asked them, what color are couches? Well, you get three different answers, right? based on what based on their perception of the world that's around them based on their perception of what they perceive to be the truth now they're all right all the answers that they gave were right but yet they're not unified in their response because they can't see there's something that they can't see now what happens when you take the walls out and now those three rooms are one room and everybody's in the same room and everybody can see all the couches. Now ask the same question and you'll get three responses that are completely unified. Why? Because they can see what everybody else can see. You see, unity wasn't realized by focusing on unity. Unity was realized when the truth was clearly perceived by everybody in the room. But when people say things like, well, we'll just agree to disagree. See, that, that, that's like forcing their idea of unity. That's not really unity. The Bible doesn't talk that way. It says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, and that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's how the scripture speaks. You see, if there's only one way that things really are, there's only one truth, there's one faith, there's one hope, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father of us all, then it makes sense that there would be one mind and one judgment. And this is why it's crucial for us, especially in the day that we live in, to declare the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. To, to speak the things that, that kind of help tear these walls 
down. There's a lot of people today that they're not tearing walls down, they're putting walls up. They're making distinctions that God doesn't make. They're making divisions that God doesn't make. They're making arguments that God doesn't make. And so they're actually obscuring the truth rather than revealing the person of Christ. That like anytime somebody inter- interjects their own wisdom like that, we'll, we'll just d- agree to disagree. What is that? That's not, you can't found that statement by what we, what's revealed. That introduces confusion. Mm-hmm. That's what that does. So we, we, we speak the things that, that they declare the, the person of Christ, but like a, we start with a solid foundational truth. Yes, sister. That, that statement, agree to disagree, what that does is that that uh, allows for that disagreement to continue. Mm-hmm. Yes. A better response is, we won't fight over this, That's right. but we'll both continue to look into it. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will examine what you have said, Yes. and, and you can examine what I have said, and we'll both submit it to the Word of God. That's right. Now that's where unity Amen. Can, Amen. can come up. Amen. Some of the people who have benefited me very mm-hmm. much are people who disagreed with me. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. But I wasn't content because if you agree to disagree, you're agreeing to remain divided on that's that. That's right. Thing. Amen. And you can see how profitable it would have been for these three people to talk to one another. How did you come to that conclusion? Would have been would have fixed it all? Well, because all my couch is yellow. You, the, uh, that would have brought out why they thought that, and then they could they could have discussed it. And in that discussion, and that's why when we come together, we talk we talk about what that's we've right. seen and heard. Because some of the things that I've seen, I, I, I may not have seen as clear as I think I saw them. But yeah. when somebody expounds them, I'm like, oh, now I see it. Yeah. Now it's it becomes more clear. Yes. And that's what unity does. It yes. clarifies. Like, and you made this point, and I'm glad you did, that it is, as we, the, the scriptures are opened up to us, that, that the Lord gives us understanding yes. of his word mm-hmm. and, and what he meant when he mm-hmm. wrote and said those things. Yes, that's right. right. That's what we're after. That's yes. right. If we have any other agenda besides right. knowing God, mm-hmm. that's we're, right. We're off on the wrong foot anyway. That's Amen. Right. So it's not whether you're right or whether I'm right. It's whether we see what God said because we know He's right. Mm-hmm. And Amen. sometimes it is a perceived disagreement. Yes. That's it's right. not a real disagreement. That's right. Mm-hmm. It, it has to do with the introduction of words mm-hmm. yes. that people don't understand. Yeah. That's why it's such a serious thing for people to confuse in the minds of others what is faith, what is salvation, what mm-hmm. is grace, mm-hmm. you know, and to define them any way except for doctrinally. We don't go to the dictionary for those. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Today I want to give an overview of the purpose of God, just like a general overview, like a bird's eye overview of what God's doing. As we progress, we're going to hone in on each, on each one of these things. Like a couple weeks ago, we honed in on these distinctions that God's making in his purpose. But today I really wanted to kind of step back from that and give an entire 
bird's eye collective overview of what God's doing from before the foundation of the world. Because God did something before everything was created. So from before the foundation of the world to creation, to what he, he worked on the earth, to what he is working now, to what he will work, and then what will happen in the ages to come. There's, there's a linear purpose there. Mm-hmm. I mean, and our lives testify of that. Our lives are, are a linear progression of, from one state to another state. And that everything was made by him and for him. So it's, it's no wonder then that the purpose of God is this way too. There's a linear progression of what he determined and what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last time. We talked about, you hear people saying in the church today that God has a wonderful purpose for your life, but then they let it hang. Mm-hmm. And, they, and then they expect you to figure it out all on your own. Or worse, they'll, they'll lie and they'll say something that gives strength to the flesh. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't want to say God has a wonderful purpose for your life and then your answer for it to give strength to the flesh. That's, that's not God's purpose. Mm-hmm. I know, I know I'm, I'm sure you've heard it. I, I know I've heard it because I've said this myself. Well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And just, just let it hang. <laughs> The apostles never did that. They told them what the purpose was, what the reason was. Paul told the Athenian philosophers, he said, God made you. He puts you where you're at in life to seek him and find him. He doesn't need you. You need him. In fact, you wouldn't be breathing without him. One day he's going to judge you according to his standard of righteousness. And he's proved that he's going to do these things. Because that man he's going to judge you by, he raised him from the dead. That's God's purpose. That you would seek him and find him. Mm -hmm. See, that's God's purpose. That you would be to the praise of his glory. Mm -hmm. See, that's his purpose. That you would believe on the one whom he sent. See, that's his purpose. That you would believe the record that God gave of his son. See, that's God's purpose for your life. That you would be sanctified and set apart, and separate from the world, and that you would bring forth fruit unto him, and, and that you would be thankful in all circumstances. But why did Paul say that this is the will of God, that you be thankful in all circumstances? Because all circumstances are dictated by the determinate counsel and will of God. It's all the purpose of God. So if you're not thankful in all circumstances, you're not thankful for God. That's really what it boils down to. You're not thankful for the things that he's working, that all things work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. That you would be prepared as a spotless bride. See, that's, that's God's purpose for your life. God has a purpose. Yes. Notice that it says that all things work together for good, not that all things are good that work together. Yeah. And um, so God very well may take you through a time of sorrow, a time of pain. But see, this is that's not the point. It's what he's working in you. Yeah. See, he's going to use that to where in the end you'll see the relevance. For now, we trust in the Lord that he's guiding us and managing you know, what we go through. But see, it, when times of trouble come, it isn't time to run and hide. It's time to glorify God and, 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 and live for him even in the time of trouble. 
Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. Brother and the next verse there, after what Brother Robert said, all things work for good for the call because well, he's conforming us to the image That's of right. Jesus Christ. That's the good. Amen. It's, Amen. The, it's the conforming that he's doing to us. Amen. It's not the good of, of life on earth. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes, sister. One of the things that make uh, make the purpose of God cloudy to mm -hmm. people is that they they bring it down too small. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They make themselves the point of God's purpose. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's good, but we're not going to have a completely profitable view of it. It's like an atom trying to discover the purpose of the universe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's too little. Yeah. yeah. No way. It, it, you know, even if it was, you know, I'm personifying mm -hmm. that uh -huh. sort of thing. But right. It's too little. And it's only understood in the grander scheme of things. Uh -huh. Yes. And yes, we do have a part. And yes, we have a direct uh, connection with Christ himself. Mm -hmm. But... Christ is not divided. That's right. And mm -hmm. so it would behoove us to think more in terms of Christ himself and the body of Christ mm -hmm. because that's where we see the purpose of God being worked out and mm -hmm. where we understand it. We yes. may be being persecuted. All right. Personally, this is causing, you know, a hardship to us. But if all we do is concentrate on our circumstance, we'll never get what you're talking about, the big picture. Mm -hmm. And we won't be able to rejoice in it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amen. See, when we come together, each member of the body, assuming that we're in Christ, if you're in Christ, the purpose of God is for you to be a spotless bride, if you're in Christ. Mm -hmm. To see... But assuming that you're following Christ, when we come together, we've been given to see something about the things of God, like what Brother Robert said. Mm -hmm. When we speak what we're given to see, it allows other people to see the things more fully than they were able to before. That See, that's the point of edification, that the, the body comes together and edifies. An, ed an edifice is a structure that's built up. Yeah, that's right. And... and, it, and uh, so as we grow in the knowledge and understanding of the Lord, see, we're being built up a holy habitation for God. God's able, God's going to be able to, to live in us in the aggregate body of Christ. God will be with them and be their God. Yes. Now you don't usually uh, speak of a, a big pile of rocks as an edifice. Yeah, yeah. You think of a structure that's yes. connected yes. and strong and and purposely uh, fashioned Amen. as an edifice. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so if you're talking about a bunch of unconnected individuals, that's not edification. See, as we help one another's understanding, we actually are are strengthening the bond we have with one another Amen. also. Uh -huh. Amen. So the purpose of God. We're going to talk about the purpose of God given overview. Before the beginning, before the foundation of the world, before the world was ever created, there was something called the determinant counsel of God. But God actually communed with himself and, 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 deci and decided, as it were, this is speaking as a man. 
we don't really have a, a full revelation of what happened before the foundation of the world. We're given hints of what happened. So we can't sit, sit around and talk about it like, well, God sat and thought and deliberated and, uh-huh. and, and like, like, like men do. Uh, but God did purpose. We know he purposed before the foundation of the world to do something. And then he set out to do it. So what was that purpose? God's ultimate purpose was to make a name for himself, was to reveal himself. Imagine if you were love and you were righteousness and you were truth and you were mercy and you were deliverer and you were helpful and you were all these things. How would anybody know that? He had the desire to show who he was to an assembled universe. Well, he had to have personalities. So he had to create personalities. He created, we'll get to that later. He said that God God wanted to make a name for himself. God wanted to prepare a people for the ages to come. See, this is all, that's tied into him revealing himself. And God knew exactly how he was going to work this out. He didn't, this determinate council wasn't, well, we're going to start this work and then we'll figure it out along the way. This was, he determined what he was going to do before he was going to do it. He's in complete control. He's been in complete control of it before the foundation of the world. He said, he's set to do this work and he's doing it. So this purpose then we covered last time. This purpose then of God wanting to make a name for himself. If this is, last time we talked about God making distinctions and I walked you through scripture and I showed you how the scripture testifies of its purpose from beginning to end. Well, if it's his purpose to make a name for himself, the scripture is going to testify of that from the beginning to end. And I want to give you some verses here. He said in Isaiah, he said, for mine own sake. Even for mine own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be polluted? And I will not give my glory to another. He said in 1 Samuel, For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord. So his name's sake, he acts for his name's sake, he acts for his pleasure. For thy name's sake, O Lord. Pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Be still and know that I am God. He said, I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. See, it's for his namesake. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him. That is true. Or how about this? This is life eternal, that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. See, that's the purpose. The, the, see, the purpose is showing through these, these scriptures. What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering? See, these are things that God's making known about himself. Endured with much long sufferings, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, that he might make known 
the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared. See, that's his purpose. That's this purpose of what God's doing. And we could run through all the verses that are in the scripture like this. We would run out of time, brethren, because there's a lot of them. But nevertheless, I've established that his purpose is to be made known. God wants to be, he wants to be known. How is God accomplishing this ultimate purpose? Remember, we said that he's in absolute and total control of everything. Nothing can stay the hand of God. He's going to get his will. He's going to accomplish his purpose. So when we say, how is God accomplishing his purpose? We're not like saying, I don't know how he's going to do it. Like as if there's something that's in his way. There's nothing in God's way of accomplishing his purpose. When we say, how is God accomplishing his purpose? We're saying, how is he, how is he doing it? What does it look like? How did God do what he purposed to do? It's good to look into these things. Well, like I said earlier, he created, per- he had to create personalities. If you're all of these things, if you're love and truth and beauty and peace and joy, and if you're all of these things, all good things come down from the Father of lights, to which there is no, no variance or shadow of turning. If you're all of these things, how would you know? How are you going to know that? You're going to have to, you're, in order to reveal yourself to other people, there's going to have to be other people. So he had to create personalities, that, that, that witnesses that could witness who he was. He created personalities, the angels, that he created cherubim and seraphim. And in Revelation, the, the, those that have watched, they've seen everything that he's ever done. The four and 20 elders and the, and the, and the living creatures that have eyes within and without. It's symbolic imagery, but they've seen everything that God's ever done. They've witnessed, they've wit, they were there at creation. They shouted for joy. This, all the sons of God shouted for joy when God created the heavens and the earth. And he did that. He created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. He created the physical universe. See, the world has not always been here and it will not always be here. It's the tendency of people that don't know God to think that all things continue since the beginning. Here's some of the things created by him and for him. There was light and energy that was created. Now, when we say created, I appreciated brother Marty's, uh, response to this uh not too long ago that light necessarily wasn't created in the sense of that were th- it was it, it was always it was almost like it was imposed god said let there be light and there and there was light see god is light the physical manifestation of light was created in the beginning matter time there was a there was t- there was time and there was there were boundaries that god made there were laws and and measurements and distances and 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 living organisms and plant and animal life with the, with an with an ability to reproduce and this would be the arena in which god would reveal himself he actually created environment that he could showcase his attributes yes 
And, and in that environment, see, there was one personality that God created that would be his, like, his, the crown of his creation, and that was man, right? Yes. Only those created in the image and similitude of God can understand his purpose. Now, yes. angels understand it, but they only understand it through the working of it out in men. Yes. They observe God saving you, and they, they see him being long-suffering, and that's how they learn that God's long-suffering. Uh, an angel, he won't have mercy. God sends him to kill destroy he just does it he does what god says but see now when it comes to god he's a merciful god but see how would they know that because he was merciful to you and then he yes. then they observe what god's mercy does in you yes because it affects you now what about having a church that none of these things affect them it's just they just live like they've always lived but they just say i'm a believer well then the angels they don't they, they don't get any information from that. Mm -hmm. oh, well, they get information, but it's not positive information, mm -hmm. right? And so the, the God made man in his image and in his similitude mm -hmm. in order that he might use them to show forth this, this, these attributes of himself that couldn't be known any other way. Just Amen. Like said. Amen. And that was the, my very next thing that I had here is that he created, after creation, yes. what did he create? He created man Where? in his image. And set him, he actually set him, he gave him dominion yes, over the earth to subdue the, yes. and, and to work the garden. He gave amen. him work to do. Amen. He'd see, he's, he's just in that he's revealing things about himself. And he purposed, mm -hmm. after that, he actually purposed a backdrop of contrast to begin yeah. to develop. Mm -hmm. Even from the very beginning, we talked about this last time, that he, God made distinctions from the beginning. He purposed this backdrop of contrast to develop in which to help showcase his person, his person. So he provided an opportunity for an adversary to be created. He, he provided this, he, he provided the circumstance in which an adversary would, would, would be created. See, the fall had to occur. Sin entered the world, and death by sin. That, that had to happen in order for God to show who he was. In other words, how could God show that he's forgiving and if there was nothing to, ever to forgive? How could God show that he was a deliverer if there was never a situation that men needed deliverance from? How could God show that he was loving Unless there was a, a people in which he could set his love on. See, that this backdrop had to be created, so as it speak. But yet, Satan is the one that chose to rebel against God. S Satan is the father of lies. God is not the father of lies. Satan is the father of lies. So we want to be careful how we say it, because the, the scripture speaks in a specific way yeah. that Lucifer was perfect in the day that he was created until iniquity was found in him. Amen. God, after sin entered into the world, God cursed the earth. And he allowed, he allowed sin to remain in the earth. See, God, at that point in time, God could have just completely wiped everything out. He could have completely destroyed his entire creation. But see, he, 
he for he was forbearing and he was merciful he was merciful to adam and eve he didn't destroy them right then and there he was merciful and it was in light of this determination see from the foundation of the world to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself see it was in light of that that he was forbearing and long-suffering I like how somebody said, God's not toler- God doesn't tolerate sin. He was forbearing. Right. See, there's, yeah. there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. There's, there is a difference. See, man was suddenly at enmity with God because of sin. And in bondage, therefore, it was actually in bondage to the will of Satan. He'd just have, do whatever he wanted with him. God himself then made distinctions, both in circumstances and in, in deeds that were done and the people who worked them. And it, he was showcasing his work. There was light and darkness, good and evil, clean and unclean, holy and unholy, righteous and unrighteous, sanctified and common. See, where there were the people of Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau. Saul and David, the sons of God and the daughters of men, the heathen, the children of God, the sheep and the goats, the new man, the old man, the spirit and the flesh, Jesus Christ and Adam. See, why are there all these distinctions? This is the purpose of God in making himself known and revealing himself. God was in that. God wasn't in that. See? Later he would introduce a holy law among a, an, un, an unrighteous and unholy people because of sin. He would actually int- impose it upon them. And it, what, what did it do? It showed. It showed that mankind under sin was very much unlike a holy and righteous God. See, God was not only revealing what we were, but he was revealing what he is. And it wasn't, it wasn't a full picture. It was a, it was a, it was the glory of the moon. It was like the glory that was on Moses's face. It wasn't like the glory of the sun. Now we're, now we live in the day. It's no longer night. We live in the day. There's a greater light here than the law of Moses. See, God promised the work that he would do before he did it. And see, that's also part of this purpose of God. God determines it before he does it. He did it from the beginning. From the beginning, God determined to do it, and then he did it. And so it's no wonder that we find in the garden, he says to the woman, or to the serpent, that the seed of the woman will crush your head and you'll bruise his heel. He promised that from the beginning. He sent the prophets to foretell of God's work that he would do before he did it. That's another thing that you'll see throughout the scripture, that God always says that he's going to do something before he does it. That's the, why? Because that's, that's part of the purpose of God. God purposes it, and then he does it. So it's, you're going to find that throughout his word. And then God began working through his people from the patriarchs to the prophets, from Seth through Noah, 
from Abraham through David, from David down on the line. Everything he does is showcasing something about himself. Something about himself to prepare a people for his name. He's making himself known. We see the long-suffering of God as he waited in the days of Noah. We see the wrath of God in the flood. We see the long-suffering of God when he strove with the children of Israel in in the wilderness. We see the provision of God. He provided a lamb for the burnt offering for Abraham. He provided that Passover lamb for Egypt. See, he provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness. He he gave them manna from heaven and quail from heaven and water from a rock. See, why did he do all that? He's showing himself. He's showing something about himself. The deliverance of God. Joseph, yes, Brother David. Sorry to interrupt you. You said that the reason that that God said what he's going to do before he did it. And Isaiah 41 God says the reason why he did that was mm-hmm. to show that he is God and there isn't any other God. That's right. Yes. It's uh, Isaiah 41, mm-hmm. starting verse 21. Produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring yes. forth your strong reasons, saith the king of Jacob. Mm-hmm. Let them bring them forth and show us what shall happen. Yes. yes. Let them show the former things, what they be, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them, or declare us things for to come. Show the things that are to come hereafter, that we may know that ye are God's. He's being sarcastic to him. That's right. Yeah. Yea, do good or do evil that we may be dismayed and behold it together. Behold, ye are of nothing, and your work of not an abomination is he that chooseth you. Mm-hmm. So Amen. God's saying the reason why he he always says what he's going to do first, and then yeah. he says it. And that shows that he's God and there isn't any other. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Oh, no. That's very good, brother. Very good. Twofold. Uh, it's twofold. They <clears throat> he declares it so that it can be identified with him. Amen. And he declares it, and really, it's a challenge for anyone. It's like who is going to resist his will? Yeah. Yes. It can't be resisted. You know what he's going to do. It doesn't make any difference if you know. You try to fight against it. He's going to do it anyway. That's right. Amen. That's yeah, right. Amos three seven says, "Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but He revealeth His secret to His servants the prophets." So, you know, it, it, when God's working, it is actually it, it, it's embarrassing for His people not to know when God's revealed it. God's revealed. In in, in salvation, God's made it very clear and abundantly clear what he's doing. So it's, see, this is not wise for a a body of people to not know what God's doing. To say, well, I don't know, I don't, no, no. See, the Holy, we've been given the Holy Spirit, and and Christ is our shepherd. He's leading us into the paths of righteousness. So, see, when somebody asks you for a hope, the hope that's in you, You'll have an answer because you're connected with Jesus, who's, who, who is the revelation. So uh, this is, you know, what pe- people are never going to know what the life of Christ looks like unless they meet somebody that the life of Christ is, is being Amen. lived out. And when they do, see, 
The angels rejoice because they're seeing something about God. And those around you are a testimony of what, what life is. Amen. And so, yeah, you, you, the believers, they are the, a light, right? That's set on a hill. That's what they are. So that everyone around can see and know. Now, that doesn't mean they're all going to fall on their face and believe. We would like that. But see, some of them, it's going to be unto their condemnation. That you yeah. are a witness of what That's God right. can do, what Christ can do in, you, in a person, and they turn their back That's on That's right. And the only way for a person in, that's living in our day and age mm -hmm. to be totally ignorant of these things mm -hmm. is if they've never heard it or if they don't care to know about it. Yeah. God's revealing himself. This is, the, this is the day of salvation that God is revealing himself Amen. to men through his son. He's, he's, like I said, he's revealing himself throughout the scripture. We see the deliverance of God... And Joseph delivered from prison, or Lot delivered from Sodom, or Israel delivered from Egypt's bondage, or Israel delivered from poisonous snakes that bit them, or, or every time that Israel was delivered from wicked men and from nations. I mean, just read the book of Judges. They're constantly being delivered over to the hands of the enemy, and God's constantly raising up judges to deliver them. He's showing himself. The wrath of God. He, he judged Pharaoh and his army and overthrew him in the Red Sea. See, Egypt was the strongest nation in the world at that time. It was, they, were, they had a mighty army. People trembled before the Egyptians and God just overthrew them. See, showed his power That's right. by what he worked there. Every time that God encountered sin... He reacted violently to the provocation of sin in his people. We can see God's reaction clearly throughout the entire scripture. You read the entire scripture from the beginning to the end, and you can kind of get a feel for what God doesn't like, what God likes, what God hates, what God can't stand. He's revealing himself. The sovereignty of God. God sets up kings, and he takes down kings. That's right. You know, King Cyrus was a servant. Yeah. King Nebuchadnezzar was a servant. Nebuchadnezzar could tell you that God's sovereign. Yes. He made him eat grass and live like a beast. See, God, what was God doing? He's revealing something about himself. He's showing who he is. Jacob and Esau, he declared that the younger will serve the older. Or the, the older will serve the younger, rather. Before they were even born, and before they even did anything good or evil, God was declaring who he was. See, now all these things that I mentioned, all these things testify to the righteousness of God. The sovereignty of God, the deliverance of God, the love of God. All, all of those things are right. They're righteous. God's not motivated by his love as much as he's motivated by his righteousness see that's his overriding quality and he sent the prophets and john the baptist to prepare the way see god had a purpose but the purpose involved the preparation it couldn't just god couldn't just snap his fingers speaking as a man and everything just worked out it, it had to be demonstrated it had to be showed it had to be prepared. 
Just to give you an idea how extensive salvation is, God created the physical universe in six days and everything in it. But it's been over 6,000 years now, and God is still doing a work on the earth. That's, this is how extensive this work of God is. Yes, brother. Mentioned, you said that um, God is motivated by not by His love, but by His righteousness, and, and He's actually motivated because He desires glory. Mm-hmm. Now He receives that because He's righteous, and He can, and we can see His righteousness. But men think, well, that's a little egotistical, isn't it? How, you know, how can you have somebody that just does everything so they receive their own glory? But what people don't see is the, the, the being that is love and righteousness can do that. They can do that. And that's what, this is where men have a problem. We, we have to accede to that. What he's doing is right. He can have whatever yeah, he right. wants. He can have whatever he wants. And this, this is where we've got this problem with, with men that, you know, have a trouble understanding God. They, yeah. they, they understand his motivation. Mm-hmm. That's because they're thinking wrong. Yes. Yeah, everything that God does is right. He can't deny himself. Right. So if God did something, it was right for him to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, because he's perfect too. That's right. So if it wasn't right for him to do it, then God would cease to be perfect, and then he would cease to be God. Yeah, without righteousness, God wouldn't have any glory. Yeah. It wouldn't exist. See, the glory yeah. is a manifestation of his person. So see, God's right altogether righteous. Yes. And so because of that, He's He's His, his He can manifest manifest His glory in it, and it be a good thing. Amen. Now at the same time, good. See now, people say, well, it's not good that He would He would cast some into the lake of fire. This is a manifestation of His glory as well. Mm-hmm. See, they were unrighteous. They he, yeah. he made a provision and they they declined. Yeah. And so God in, in casting them in there, this is. This is showing God, he, he, he is righteousness. He can't accept anything else. Amen. And so his glory is a perfect glory. It's absolutely perfect. It, it can't do anything wrong. So now when you, when, and this is what makes it scary now, when people read the scriptures and they say, well, I know it says that, but that's not really what happened. This is dangerous stuff. Very dangerous. Because if God did something or said something, it's right. And it's, I wouldn't yeah. want to be challenging God in His yeah. righteousness, and 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 it's well, it's just scary stuff. Yeah. This preparation, God had to prepare us to receive. God had to prepare us to be able to receive these things. That's right. There was a preparation. Like, how could you understand Christ being our high priest mm-hmm. without an example of a high priest? What would that mean? What would it mean to you if there was ne- never ever? An example of a sacrifice. Yeah. There was, there was that, that that thought was never prepared, and you said Christ was the sacrifice. What would that mean? That there there wouldn't be any meaning there. Mm-hmm. So God had to build this foundation in the hearts of men, and in order for us to be able to comprehend the things that He would later reveal to us. Mm-hmm. How would we appreciate a sacrifice for sin yeah. unless we knew our own sin? And knew our own wretchedness. This is why a law was a schoolmaster. To bring people to Christ. Like we've said. It, it showed that we are in need of him. 
Like, we need God. Yeah. It showed that. There had to be a preparation. We're talking about the purpose of God from the foundation of the world until the very end, everything that God's worked in between. Mm-hmm. He sent his son into the world. This is, this is the purpose of God. He sent his son into the world that he might suffer being tempted in all points as we are to be a merciful and a faithful high priest to do the will of the Father and to actually live out the doctrine. See, Christ was the embodiment of truth. He was the embodiment of... He was the express image of the Father. He put away the sin of man by the sacrifice of himself. Sent Christ into the world. He sent Christ into the world to seek and save that which was lost to lay down his life and to take it up again. We're talking about the purpose of God. To destroy the works of the devil and to render him powerless. To make manifest his love in a way that we could perceive it. Hereby we perceive the love of God that he laid down his life. See, God's making himself known by the things that he's working. To reconcile us to God. Amen. How could we be reconciled to God if we were if we were alienated from God and enemies with God? Mm-hmm. We had to be reconciled with to God. Mm-hmm. Peace had to be made. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, so, and then and then after he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, he raised him up. He had to be raised up. That's right. He raised him up that he might make him both Lord and Christ that he might bring many sons to glory in this ruling position at the right hand of God. He's, he's in a seat of activity right now. Right. He's not sitting in a leisurely seat. Mm-hmm. Christ is sitting at the right hand of God where he's interceding for you and mediating for you. And he had to send the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talking about the purpose of God. Amen. That people ha- that come to him would be quick. The son has power to quicken whosoever he will. Amen. That's right. To raise us to walk in newness of life with him. Mm-hmm. See, if Christ wasn't risen, you could have never been risen to, to be raised in newness of life. Amen. Mm-hmm. He's preparing a people to enter eternity, mm-hmm. prepared, yes. profitable, ready. We're talking about the purpose of God, what God's doing. Yes. Once again, being profitable to God, addressed multiple times throughout the scripture. All the way in Genesis, we have examples where Joseph was profitable. He was profitable to Potiphar. He was profitable to Pharaoh. He bought all of the land for Pharaoh. See, he was profitable. Jesus is profitable to God. Jesus said, you've not chosen me. But I've chosen you and ordained you. See, that's this beforehand. Ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Mm -hmm. Herein is my father glorified. See, that's the purpose. That you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. He said, cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. He said that we should be to the praise of his glory. 
See, we're talking about God preparing us. He's preparing a people. This is part of his purpose. To glorify himself. God asked Israel once. He planted a noble vine. He asked, why is there wild grapes on it? He said, yet I had planted thee a noble vine, holy a right seed. How then art thou turned into a degenerate plant of a strange vine to me? See, God expects us to be profitable. See, and, and when the day of salvation comes to an end, God knows. He, he knows when all of the righteous shall be prepared, then, it, then, then it's going to come the end. The heavens and the earth are going to pass away with a great noise. The, it, it's going to be rolled up like a garment. And we're going to enter into the day of judgment. See, now's the day of salvation. Now's the day of whosoever will may come. But there's coming a day when, when this preparation is going to be done. God's purpose to prepare the people on earth is going to be done. It's going to be over with. And then we're going to enter into the day of judgment. It's the day of the Lord. Well, God will be justified in all of his sayings. God will be shown, clearly shown on that day for being righteous in everything that he did. See, now there's, there's a lot of talk now. There's a lot of people that bad talk the Lord. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ungodly things that people have said about God on this earth. And it's, it's not going to go unaddressed. He said, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Mm-hmm. See, God, that's going to happen. This is part of God's, right. this is part of God's purpose. Yes. You know, and, and that, that word was spoken in, in the day of Noah. So you can see that God is God. God doesn't right. change. So when the condition was the same or parallel that, it, this word was given again. Why? Because it was relevant. God is truth. He's, it, it, there is no variance with them. In Isaiah 45, 5, it says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God besides me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, they that know that, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Now, now I wanted to say this because uh, I said before it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's dangerous to disagree with God. This is what God says. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. Yes. I, the Lord, do all these things. And then a little bit later it says, Woe to him that striveth with his maker. In other words, it, it, this is also another scripture that, that the New Covenant brethren brought up. Okay, Are you going to say to God, Why have you made me thus? <clears throat> Are you, are, are you wiser than God? See, see this, we're living in a generation like that of Noah. We're living in a generation where people have discounted God's holiness and righteousness, and, and, and they're living for themselves. They have set themselves up as God. Mm-hmm. Now, is it 
wrong to ask God questions? Well, of course not. Look, we have we weren't born again with all wisdom and all power. So, I mean, we're going to be inquiring of the Lord, right? Entreating Him for things. And the Lord's merciful to us. He'll, he'll give us the Holy Spirit so that when He does speak to us, we can understand it. And, and so He's merciful. But see, there's a difference between inquiring and demanding. That you be, you be the God that I want you to be, or I won't worship you. That's the attitude of, 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 of the age we live in. Yes, and, and it a, is dangerous. There's a lot of things that are declared about God that don't fit in with the purpose of God. Yes. He's preparing the people. When the people are prepared, yes. there's going to be no more use for the earth. Yep. So when people say things like, God's going to rapture the believers off the earth, and he's going to live, leave the wicked on the earth. What's the purpose for that? Mm-hmm. What's the purpose for leaving ungodly people on the earth that will never believe? Mm-hmm. Or when people say things like, Christ is coming back a second time to set up a fleshly throne in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. What's the purpose of that? Why would, what would be the purpose of, of Jesus humbling himself again? Mm-hmm. Why would he do that? You see, it doesn't fit in with the purpose. You know, they take, they'll take a scripture, because they don't understand this purpose, they'll take a scripture and twist it. Amen. In Revelation 20, it says, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for witness of the Jesus and the word of God, which had not worship the beast neither his image neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands they lived and reigned with christ a thousand years they take that text and they say jesus is coming back to set up a fleshly government in his in jerusalem mm-hmm. that's on that word yeah. in the same chapter it says and i saw a great white throne and him that sat on it whose faith the earth and heaven fled away And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell were delivered up with the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Amen. And that's what's going to happen yes. at the end of the day of salvation mm-hmm. and the commencement of the day of judgment. Yes. Amen. And this is the purpose of God. And see, the those who have prepared themselves mm-hmm. on this in this world, those that had been that the Lord worked in and prepared they're going to enter into the ages to come. Amen. We don't have a whole lot of revelation about the ages to come. But we do know that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's, that's an, kind of like an overview of the purpose of God. God, God determined to make a name for himself to bring out a people for himself, a people that he could dwell amongst and reveal himself to and lavish his love on. And he worked that out in the earth. And when it's all finished and culminated, then the end's going to begin. He's going to put away wickedness. He's going to put away anything that defiles. It's not going to enter in. And we're going to enter into a new heavens and a new earth 
wherein dwelleth only righteousness. Let's pray, brethren. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful that you have determined before the foundation of the world your purpose. We're thankful that your purpose is a perfect purpose, that it's a wonderful purpose. And we admit, Lord, that and we confess that the more we see of it, the more marvelous you become in our eyes and that the more of our perception is of you is increased the more lovely you are and the more we can see that you are an amazing wonderful god and lord we look forward to spending the ages to come with you and to to knowing more fully who you are Mm -hmm. we ask that you would bless this uh uh, food that's been prepared Mm -hmm. and that you would bless our conversation one with another and pray lord that we would uh be more forward to speak the things that you've given us to see and that we would uh be transformed by the renewing of our mind throughout the week that we would not be distracted and uh, that we would draw close to you and that uh, we would see more of your purpose and more of who you are to be able to share it when we come together to the benefit of us all and to your glory we ask this in jesus name we pray Amen. amen